Thank you. I never get bored watching that video. No. <laughs> that sounds a bit... You said I was humble, but it's only because... No, I'm really honest. Um, it's... Uh, it's, you know, it's a, reminder, it's a reminder of my past um, and, you know, God has been, like the gospel message, you know, this word called grace, yeah. God's unmerited favour, yes. I mean, that is, that is me. I don't know why God allowed it, but I'm just forever grateful to Jesus. Yeah. And I really, I really do mean that. Um, and how did it all begin for me? Um, where do you think I'm from with this accent? Scumfort, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the east end of London, um, family of five, my mum is a Christian, dad's a Christian, um, it's Afro-Caribbean parents, it's like church was not an option, you, you're going to church, boy. <laughs> um, but I remember um, growing up um, from a really young age, probably eight, ten, um, I played football at school, I played football at home, I smashed my house windows with a football. So it was quite evident um, from a young age that I had a real passion um, for football. Probably at the age of 12 stroke 13, um, a friend of mine played for Watford Football Club. He recommended me to Watford. Um, I trained with them. They watched me play in a school game. I played a match. I did really well. And they signed me up as a schoolboy, where nowadays you'd call it like an academy player. I was there for two years. Um, and at the age of 15, I was actually going to stop um, playing football. So a little bit as I talk, it's going to be a little bit like I'm repeating myself, but it's good to, because I really want to reinforce, you know, making the right choices. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was 15, um, at that time I wasn't a Christian. Um, like I said, I went to church. Um, my body was there, but my heart was with my friends. Um, and at the age of 15, I started to move with the wrong crowd. And there's a Bible verse that whether you have faith or not, you know, there's some scriptures you can debate about, there's some, there's no grey areas. And in the book of Corinthians, it says that bad company corrupts good yeah. habits. Yeah. And what you look at, what you listen to, what you surround yourself around is going to influence your life in a positive yeah. or a negative way. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, that is reality. Yeah. And at the age of 15, I started to hang around with the wrong crowd. I mean, what was happening... We were playing football Sunday mornings, but I weren't telling up because I was going out the night before. Um, but at the age of 16, I had a really, really good youth team manager and a guy called Kenny Jacket, who is the Wolverhampton Wanderers manager today. And he said, Bruce, he said, you've got two choices to make. He said, you've got a choice that Watford are about to offer you an apprenticeship, which is a scholarship you'd call that nowadays. Um, but he said, to get this apprenticeship, you're going to have to leave home. You're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices, work extremely hard, take on board my instructions. He said, if you do that, he said, I think you could become a professional football player. He said, you've got the other choice that if you stay with the people that you're with at this moment in time, you and I both know you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble. And here I was at the age of 16 with two choices to make. Do I listen to Ken? Or do I stay with a bad company? Um, by the grace of God, um, I left home. Um, at that time, my mum and dad had just got divorced. I am a mummy's boy. I'm not ashamed to say it. Me and my mum are like that. Um, and it was a real challenge to leave my mum at that time. But I knew in my heart that that was the right choice to make. My first year 
as an apprentice was very, very challenging. Um, I remember with my parents, they dropped me off. I moved into some digs. Um, it was an English family. I'm Afro-Caribbean. We like rice and peas and chicken. And, and so it was a culture change. But it was good because it taught me about life. And every now and then, it's good to move out of the environment that you're comfortable in so you, so you can learn. Yeah. And it was a challenge. It was hard, but it was the best thing I could ever have done. But that first year, the training, it was so difficult. I remember I used to go to my room and stare at the ceiling and just want to cry and just say, I want to go home. I'm missing my mum. I'm missing where I'm from. I want to go home. But through the mentorship of Kenny Jacket, giving me some really good um, instructions and support, um, I got through my first year. And then in my second year as an apprentice, I actually ended up making my debut for Watford's first team at the age of 18, which is a fantastic achievement. And because I made my debut, I kind of had a little bit of a clue um, that they were going to offer me a professional contract um, in which they did... And then in my first ever professional season, I played 33 games, I scored seven goals, and then I got sold for £1.25 million when I was 18. So I, yeah, praise the Lord. So I actually became the first teenager in the whole of United Kingdom to ever to be sold for over a million pounds when I was 18. But I always backtrack. So this first part of my story, I do it in schools because it's relevant to young people. It really is. And I backtrack that the reality and the truth of it was that I almost made the wrong choice. And I think, my goodness, just to think if I would have stayed with my friends. And I'm like, thank God that I made that choice. And literally in the space of three to four months, my life got turned upside down in such a powerful way. So in March 1994, um, I got sold for £1.25 million, which was March. The next month, which was April, who likes football here? Okay, so if in this country you had the opportunity to play against, what team would you want to play against? Which teams? Just shout them out. So Man United, Man City, Chelsea, Hearts. I did say in this country. Okay, so can you imagine, okay, I'm 18, I've just made my debut, Um, this is my first ever professional season, I get sold for a million pounds, then the next month we win the league and I know next year I'm playing against Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, I'm just like, as a young kid, I'm like, oh wow, then the next month, um, literally, this is how it all happened, I got picked for the England under-21s, and in my team was like Robbie Fowler, Jamie Redknapp, Sol Campbell. I mean, these are the top players in England. And I'm this ordinary kid from East London with this funny haircut, and all of a sudden, I'm just around the cream of the crop of British football. I mean, it was amazing. And again, it showed me that our choices, I mean, I could have easily have made the wrong choice. But that one decision forever changed my life. I mean, my club history is I started off at Watford. Um, From Watford, I went to Crystal Palace. From Crystal Palace, I went to Bansley. Um, From 
Barnsley. I went back to Watford from Watford to Stoke City, um, from Stoke City to Sheffield United, from Sheffield United to Doncaster, from Doncaster to York City, um, and then I retired in 2008. I've played about 468 League and Cup games. I've scored 119 goals in my career. I mean, I have, you know, by the grace of God, um, I've done okay. But that was because I made the right choices, decisions, dedication, hard work. And I say it to young people, success does not just happen. I've never known it. It's a package of decision-making, making the right choices, submitting to authority, your teachers, your coaches. You know, that humble mindset to always want to learn and to better yourself and to be committed and to be dedicated. All of that is an ingredient to success. And I find, especially dealing with young people, they're a microwave generation. They want everything now. They don't want to work for it. But it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And I've been privileged to travel this country, around the world. Um, I've met some wonderful people, all because I made the right choice at the age of 16. And I tell this to young people, that if an ordinary, simple guy from East London chose to make some decisions and achieve something, you can do it too. It's as simple as that. God gives everybody gifts and talents, but not everybody uses them. It's a choice that we have to make. So that's choice number one, that I'm part of this country's history that can never, ever be taken from me. And I'm so grateful. But that all happened, and I wasn't even a Christian. And that has taught me something valuable in life, that you can be successful with your gift if you work it. But, so that is one choice that forever changed me. My other choice in my life, there's been two choices. The next choice was when I became a Christian. You know, why did I need to become a Christian? My dream, okay, in fact, let me just pause. I'm going to show you something quickly. When I do this talk in schools, I actually, I show kids memorabilia. Did you know when you play for England, you do actually get a cap? Some people don't know that. So you literally get a cap where what they do, they embroider the teams. So this is Greece, Mondova, um, Mondova again, Georgia, and they give you a cap. Um, and again, for me personally, especially with my kids, you know, this is the product of a right choice. Yeah. 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 What shirt's that? Can you see? Liverpool. Liverpool. Um, there's only one legend at Liverpool, I think. Um, this shirt's really special to me. And it's no other than Steven Gerrard. And this shirt's really special. I tell you, this shirt, I'm like, Lord, you sorted me out. Because this is actually worth a bomb now because he's left. And I've got his shirt. This is gold dust. Um, but again, and honestly, I, I show these things, especially to kids. Not to boast, to raise their aspirations. Amen. That this is the product yes. of making the right decisions. Yes. That I've graced the football pitch with some real high profile people. Yes. So this is the legend Stevie G. Yes. 
What shirt's this? Real Madrid. Okay, this shirt's really special to me. Okay, on the back of it is no other than David Beckham. Okay, and it's got it signed to myself as well. Okay, and again, the product of making the right choices. And even David Beckham, it's funny because there's a story in it that me and David, we both grew up in East um, London. I used to play for a team called Grasshoppers. David played for Ridgeway Rovers. We used to play against each other as kids. And we were rival teams. And my memory of David Beckham, he was a right crybaby. Every time they used to lose, he used to cry. <laughs> it's the truth. It's so true. Um, it's the truth. The right crybaby. Um, but like myself, David, he entered a competition when he was 16 and the Bobby Charlton Soccer School, which he won. And they offered him an apprenticeship at uh, Manchester United. And that would have been some decision as a young kid to have to move all the way to Manchester on his own to pursue his dreams. But who thinks he made the right choice? Hands and feet in the air. Absolutely. So all of this is the product of a choice I made. And success. But in the midst of all of that success, why would I need to become a Christian? My dream as a kid, and God is my witness, was to become a professional football player, buy a house, buy my mum a house, see myself on match of the day, um, (laughs) buy a Mercedes convertible and to be able to be good to people in life. I mean, as a child, that was my dream. And by the time I was 21, I'd achieved every one of those dreams. My mum still has that house to this very day. But again, the fruit of a choice I made. So in the midst of all of that, why would I need to become a Christian? You know, we strive for the house, the car, the money, the security. I had all of that as a young man. And the turning point for me, which forever changed me, was that I remember as a footballer, you get uh, six weeks off. And my personality is I never do things in half measures. And as a player, you'd get six weeks off. And what I used to do in those six weeks off, I used to just party. I used to work hard all season, and it was my time to enjoy life. And I remember in that six weeks period, from Thursday to Sunday, I was going out. um, And at the end of it, it's like I just hit the biggest wall I could ever have hit. And it was like I was going into depression. And I thought to myself, how could I be feeling like I'm depressed when I have everything that I've ever wanted? And that really confused me because it's like I didn't want to be around people. People that suffer with depression, they isolate themselves. And it's like I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to talk to no one. I didn't want to play football no more. And I knew, that's when I knew something's not right. And I remember... um, talking to my brother on the phone. And my brother, you know, we grew up in the same house, same upbringing. Um, My brother became a Christian when he was eight. Um, And I used to take the mickey out of him as a kid. So I was out playing football. And as a 10 and 11 year old, my brother used to be at home reading encyclopedias. And I used to say to him, boffin, boffin, professor. You know, as kids do. He was such an intelligent guy, and my parents had such high hopes for him. But by the time my brother was 16, you know, we spoke about bad company, corrupts good habits. My brother started smoking, smoking went to weed, went to amphetamines, to to harder drugs, to crack cocaine, to a street robber, and then he ended up in prison. 
And to know that someone so intelligent could end up in that mess, I mean, was unbelievable. But he became a Christian in prison. Um, and what, in my darkest hour, he began to just share his testimony. It's good to tell people what Jesus has done in your life. Yes. And in my darkest hour, he began to share his journey. And I saw the journey because, I mean, he was a bad guy. But when he came out of prison, the transformation that Jesus made in his life was such a witness to me. I mean, I used to look at him and I would think, I've got everything. But he's got next to nothing. But there was something just so significant about him. There was a joy, a peace. There was a boldness and a freedom about him. I mean, when he worships the Lord, I think he's crazy. But it's not that he's crazy. He's so free in his spirit that he praises the Lord. Like, you know, the scripture says David danced into his clothes. That's my brother. He's wild in the spirit. And it's not for show. He's so in love with Jesus. He's so passionate about worship that it's just there's something about him. So when he started to share his story with myself, the scripture that came to my mind was this. What does it profit for a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul. And that was me. What good would it have been for me to have everything that the world could offer me but to lose my soul? And as my brother sat there and he began to share his story and I came off the phone, okay, I knew that the solution was Jesus. And let me encourage parents that as we've got older, me, when me and my mum, we sit down and talk, she said to me, Bruce, she said, I used to think that there was a time where I actually thought you was a lost soul. She really did say that. But the Bible says, train up a child yes. in the way that they should go, that when they grow old, they'll not depart. Yes. My mum never knew in the depths of my sin that before I used to go to bed, I used to literally say, Lord, I know I'm not right but remember me. And that was because of the prayers of my mum. That was because when we were kids, my mum used to gather us together and pray and teach us about Jesus. And that seed that got implanted in me as a child, it never left me. It's the truth. And I want to encourage you as mums and dads, do not stop praying for your kids. Your younger ones do not stop speaking the word of God over them because there is power in it. Sooner or later, that seed's going to get watered and it's going to bring forth fruit. And I wasn't in a church setting when I became a Christian. I was sat on my bed, but I knew the message. I knew the gospel message that Jesus was the son of God, that he died on the cross, that all have sinned, and everyone has fallen short of God's standard. I knew that the wages of sin was death and the gift of God was eternal life. And all I had to do was acknowledge that and repent. And repentance is a simple thing. It's just having a change of mind and a turn of direction. And all I did is when I sat on my bed, I didn't start quoting loads of Bible verses. I just said, Jesus, I'm sorry. And all I said from my heart was help me. And I cannot tell you how he did it, but there's a Bible verse that said, if anybody be in Christ, 
He's a new creation. It says old things have passed away. It says all things have become new. Jesus made me a new person in a moment, in an instant. And the only way I can picture it, and this sounds really crazy, you ever seen those sci-fi films where you see the monster that all of a sudden he turns into the prince, into the prince? That was me. I went from being a depressed, whoremonger, wild partying to a gentle, loving, caring, respect for God person in a moment. I cannot tell you how we did it, but all I know is that the power of Jesus Christ changed me. And the change came in repentance. That is the key. Repentance. If you believe on him, and you acknowledge what he has done, and you call out, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved, rescued, delivered. In that moment, in humility, I cried out to Jesus, and he saved me. And I had a change of mind, and a change of heart, and my life has forever been changed. But I had to make the choice and life is about choices and those two decisions has forever changed my life now the first choice praise the lord you know i've been able to do some wonderful things but the bible says that the things that are not seen have more value and that decision to follow jesus has been a choice that will change my life for eternity and the question is today, is what choices are you making? Yeah. So there may be some of you that are here that are not Christians. There's going to time come a time where you have to make a choice. Furthermore, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Yes. You are not promised tomorrow. None of us are. We are living in a time when young people are dying. That to me, I don't even understand. So what are you going to do? Are you going to keep coming every week? Are you going to hear this message and say, Lord, uh, uh, next month, in two years? Who says you've got two years? Who says you've got a week? Today is the day of salvation. It's the truth. My life has been changed. I've met so many famous people, I still speak to many now, that they are lost. They are lost, they have everything. Everyone used to look at me and think, Bruce is so blessed, everything's so good. I wasn't, I was hurting. I was crying out for help. I had a mask on. But when you're like that, sooner or later, you will hit a wall. But why wait to hit the wall? Why wait for that to happen? So what are you going to do today? Today, I know that there are some here that you know what I'm saying is the truth. There are some here that are even Christians. You're saved, but God's calling you into ministry, the mission field, evangelist, pastor, teacher, prison ministry, the homeless, but you're not being obedient. You're saying, that can't be me, Lord. I'm scared. 
I can't talk. I haven't got what it takes. Well, guess what? Nor did I. You better believe for me to be standing before you and talking in front of people is nothing but a miracle. I am shy. was very timid. I would run from speaking in front of people. But I knew God told me he wanted me to speak. That my life story would save lives. And one day I felt so convicted that I read my Bible and the verse that came to my mind was when God called Moses and Moses says, God, I can't talk. And God rebuked him and said, is it not me that has made man's mouth? And one day I've just said to God, if this is what you want me to do, I'm not going to say what Moses said. But what I will say is, Lord, help me. Teach me how to talk to people. But guess what? I had to take a step of faith. And when I got that invitation, instead of running like I used to and say, I'm not available on that day. I used to do that. Or what I used to do, I used to have my minister, Pete, you've got to come with me and you can interview me and do the talking for me. But I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Lord, if this is what you've called me to do, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to open my mouth and fill it. And he has never failed me to this day. But you have to take a step of faith. Those of you that are not Christians, Lord, I've got a girlfriend, boyfriend, I'm living in sin. You know, I've got a problem with drink. Come as you are. That's why he died. The blood cleanses all unrighteousness, but it can't clean you if you don't come. You cannot save yourself. You will never be able to clean yourself up so you can come. Come to him as the sinner and the wretch you are like I did and he will clean you. He will break those chains off you. But you've got to come. You've got to make that choice and say, here I am, Lord. Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous. I have come to call the sinners to repentance. And when he said that, he was eating with the worst of the worst. The tax collectors, the sinners. He was dining, and as we would say on the streets, he was chilling with the ruffians. It's the truth. It is. But his presence caused them to be around him, okay, that they acknowledge. It's like Peter said, I'm a sinful man. And he was saying, Lord, I'm not even worthy. But Jesus says, come, follow me. And he says the same thing today. But what are you going to do? What choice are you going to make? Those of you who are Christians, you know God's calling you into ministry. You know he is saying, this is what I want you to do. Are you going to make that choice to obey him today? God gave me this illustration. By one man, sin and death entered the world. One man's bad choice We suffer for that to this very day. That is the facts. But by one man's obedience, many are made righteous. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Amen. One man's choice to say yes to your will, Lord, has saved humanity from sin and death if they make that choice to accept him. Now, guess what? This is, this is real stuff. My brother's choice to make 
repentance, to have a repentant heart and to say yes to God in prison, okay? I met my wife, Janine, okay, because my brother started a group, okay, which they won on TV, okay? Janine was secretly spying on me when she found out I was his younger brother. Not really. <laughs> I, was doing, I was doing the spying. But what I'm saying is my brother's choice to say yes to the will of God is how I met my wife. We've been married 14 years, I beg you, right? 14 years, we have four beautiful children. That was the product of one man's decision. So your choices do not just affect you. One man, Jared Cooper, who had a call from God and said, yes, Lord, here am I, send me to whole. Fruit of choices. Okay, mum and dad, okay, conceived the son. And I'm sure they've prayed from him from choices. Yes. Choices. Good. Good. You don't understand the impact of your choices. Your choices can change the course of history. I am here today because of Bruce Dyer, the footballer. I get invited into the prison schools because the choice I made has an impact on kids in schools. Okay, I get to speak to more people in prisons and I get the ears of people that a lot of people can't get because I'm the footballer. Right or wrong, but it works. But if I never made that choice, that would never happen. Your choices, choices, making the right choices and the greatest choice that we can make is to give your life to Jesus. And to say, yes, Lord, to your will and to your way and have your way in my life. And we surrender all to Jesus. There is no other way. There isn't. The wages of sin is death, separation. But the gift of God is eternal life. Why would you refuse to take a free gift? You must be crazy. They're the only people that are really insane, the ones that say, no, I don't want it. Because the reality of it and the truth is that when I stand before God, do you really think he's going to give two hoots that I have a David Beckham shirt? (laughs) As much as we love our old David Beckham. (laughs) It's the truth. He's going to say to me, what did you do? Knowing that my son died on the cross for your freedom so that you could go and pull other people out of the fire. What did you do? I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. What do you want to hear? What will you hear furthermore? So I'm going to get Janine to come up and sing a song. And the song that she's going to sing is, um, My Life is in Your Hands, I Know You Can Make It. And there are times in my walk where I feel I can't make it. Because Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy. He just said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And it's songs like this that God uses. You can make it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit. When you become a Christian, God will put his spirit in you and he will give you the power to follow him. He will give you the power to do what you could not do in your own strength. But today, I beg of you, if you don't know Jesus, 
Make that choice today to say yes to him. I beg of you, whether you are a Christian, if God is calling you into ministry, or he's saying, this is what I want you to do, please obey him. There are consequences for obedience, and there are consequences for disobedience. God is merciful. He's gracious. But there are consequences for the actions that we take. 